This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. One of these days, I will master the ability to complete a sentence. Scott Owen. Right, what would I know? I'm just the weekend host around here. And Adam Pace. Look, I think of what other choice you have. Starting now. Well, unfortunately, Elvis has bundled the Raw out of the FFA Cup building. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an instant reaction edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam on this Wednesday evening, and we are pleased to be with you as we run through the wreckage of the Raw's 1-0 defeat against Sydney down at down in New South Wales in the quarterfinal of the FFA Cup, which brought to an end their best ever performance in the competition. Scott, how are you going? I'm good, James. How are you? But by the way, that pun of yours was as awful as the Sydney weather. <laughs> Adam, how are you going? Please tell me you like that more. I'm, I'm good, yeah. No, it's a very, very wet wreckage uh, uh, for, for the Raw after their defeat uh, this evening. Yes, unfortunately, it wasn't quite to be for an undermanned Raw that were playing their first match in a very, very long time. And we will go through all of the action for that as well. But in the meantime, this is the Brisbane Football Review on Clutch Radio. I'm pleased to be with you. If you want to get in touch with us, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com is the email. Send in any comments, questions, feedback, segment ideas possibly. Well, hopefully we won't need fill up as much over the next few weeks as the games start to ramp up once again. And then if you want to follow us on the socials, Facebook is The Raw Review. Well, you can also search for Brisbane Football Review. Twitter, at BNE Football. You can find live coverage of every senior Brisbane Raw NPL match, as well as select National Premier League fixtures when that competition does get back underway. And you can also listen to us well, as you are on Clutch Radio or possibly via podcast, you can catch us on Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and also on A-League Live on any of those platforms. Feel free to leave a review as long as it's overly positive and glowing on just how much you enjoy listening to us. Right, Scott? It'll make your ego feel better, won't it? So definitely do that. Yeah, I've been accused of uh, having a very fragile ego in the past, and, well, the truth is never mean. Anyway... It was the Raw's first game since the 11th of December, so one month and one day. And it was the exact same scoreline as that defeat in against Western United down in Geelong as Sydney FC won that match 1-0 thanks to a goal from Elvis Camp Sober in the 63rd minute. But before anything else, we do need to discuss what was a delayed sc- starting 11, Scott, where we yep. saw Louis Zabala get a first-team debut to... Perhaps the not massive surprise, considering Warren Moon had said that so many players were going to be out due to COVID or just getting fitness back after getting COVID. Absolutely, and he has been on the bench a couple of times in the FFA Cup previously for the Roar and been a, a standout player in the midfield for the Roar in the NPL season last year. I don't think I've ever seen him play at right back in fairness, but I thought he did pretty well actually, didn't he? Filling in in that position, he was quite solid back there and for a first-up debut for a player, a player making his debut in an unfamiliar position, I thought he did quite well, didn't he? Player number he was, 192 for the Royal. He was very solid, Adam. He was, yeah. Like I said, it was a bit of a surprise seeing him play it right back for uh, the full-back position, which we only just last week says the deepest position um, 
in the in the uh, in the playing group uh, to have have a young player fill in in an unfamiliar role seems uh, to turn the tables on that assessment. But uh, yeah, look, uh, we've all we all know how how good Luis Zavala is. You know, he's uh, certainly earned his um, his place playing senior football. And yeah, look, I think it was a very very serviceable sixty something minutes. It was, but and then eventually just like his legs uh, gave out because while I'm sure he has been training with the Raw's first team uh, over the last few months, he probably hasn't been. Uh, training as intensely as he would have uh, when leading the Young Raw to their first ever NPL Finals appearances he did in 2021. There was Jack Hingott on the bench who came on uh, as his replacement, but by the sounds of things, that was a fitness issue rather than anything else as Hingott would have been uh, getting over being in isolation. Adam? He, he was, yeah. And, um, yeah, look, I was actually just a bit surprised uh, to see him named on the bench. Um, maybe it just shows how sort of uh, threadbare that, that right back position is. That, you know, to, to play Luis Abala, who, again, as we said before, is not a recognised fullback, um, to give Jack Hingott probably 30 minutes, which I think that was pre programmed. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, look, uh, I'm actually surprised he even uh, got on. I think, uh, considering that, yeah, he just pretty much came out of isolation uh, just under a week ago. Well, I. It does probably say a bit more to just how threadbare this raw side was. And, you know, there are other clubs that have uh, had to field less than ideal starting 11s as well. But you look at some of the players that were included. You had Zabala, who, you know, was starting for the first time. You also had Nick Olsen uh, getting extended minutes for the first time. We'll come back to him. And then on the bench, you also had Eli Adams, uh, Klein and Mills, who all of whom were, I believe, making their first appearances of the season, Scott. They would have, yeah, absolutely. Since you mentioned the young players, I thought they were some of the better players on the park for the Raw. I thought Sabala, we talked about, he was really good. I thought Alex Parsons was the Raw's most dangerous attacker of the starting unit anyway. And I thought Macklin Freak had a really good game in goal, actually, commanding the box a lot more than we've seen from him at the start. So I thought the young guys actually were some of the better players for the Raw tonight. Yeah, although I will uh, say, I'm not sure how much Freak had to do beyond that uh, big save on about the 32nd minute, but... Overall, you're right. The, it was a case of you know throwing the young kids to the wolves against Sydney FC, who are a very, very good squad, and they were so good they were able to leave guys like Milos Ninkovic on the bench uh, as they uh, prepare to uh, get going again in the A-League. But, Adam, overall, it was the same problems for the Raw from the start, wasn't it? They just couldn't get anything going in attack and finished the first half with 30-something percent of possession. Yeah, and I think this is uh, yeah, this is sort of a continuing theme with the raw. It's just you just it's a question of you just can't see where these goals are gonna, where a goal is going to come from. Well, no goals, you know, plural. Uh, after they went down, after they went behind one nil, pretty much. Oh, I've got to be honest. When Elvis Kemp Sober scored, uh, my first reaction is, oh, that's it. It's all over. I I just could not see unless it was something like a penalty or a yeah a freak set piece something like that. I just could not see where the raw were going to get their get their goal. Especially you know Sydney you know probably were going to rear guard. They were going to obviously try and shut the game down as much as they could. And and yeah, it was a case of and I think in a lot of these cup ties as well is that first the first goal is crucial. And um, yeah, because after Camp Sober scored, it was a case of. Where they come from, that and that's been the, the feeling for the last couple of games prior to their month off. And well, you did actually say that uh, it was game over at that point, Adam. We do have the receipts in the Facebook Messenger conversation. 
We're doing those will be made public yeah. consistently, isn't that right, James? <laughs> Something like that. But I do, in the attack, I do think Adam's got a point. It was the way the game was going. It was always going to be a game where the first goal was going to be absolutely crucial. And when the roar did go the goal behind, you thought, well, it's either going to be an absolute moment of magic or a scrappy, scrappy goal. And we nearly got the scrappy goal hmm. right at the end. But I would probably attack more in a moment, James. But just in terms of who was unavailable, it's a pretty extensive list. It's all it was Aldred, Brown, Brindle South, Akbari, Ivanovic, Lofthouse. Mill Narich and Henry Hall. So that's a pretty extensive list of players who are unavailable for the Raw tonight for, for varying reasons. Not all related to pandemic reasons. Some of those might be injury related. Oh, and in Mill Narich's case, it's cup tie. Oh, the tie because he's playing against his parent club. But that's a pretty extensive list of players who are unavailable. Yeah, and when you're missing that many first team players, it is fairly telling. I am not 100% sure what the situation is with Tom Aldred. I did see a couple of questions. Uh, being raised on the Twitters about that. But, yeah, I'm, go- I'm going to assume that with Aldred, like, he would have only just been getting back to fitness um, right before everything went to hell. So I'm assuming being stuck in isolation or, you know, even if he di- uh, wasn't uh, a positive case, he still would have had to have been isolating for a certain time. And you do wonder, you know, how much of that conditioning he would have lost. So for Aldred... You know, best case scenario, you might get him back on the weekend, but yeah, that wasn't exactly ideal conditions to send him out in as well. But yeah, just talking about the way the Raw set up, I actually thought it basically would have taken uh, Juan Lascano to go full on bulldozer there. And I, I actually quite liked what I saw from him in his hour or so on the pitch, but it was another case of he was really suffering from overall a lack of service because the Raw were on the back foot so much against uh, Sydney. Yeah, it's a case of, um, against the same predictable thing, and even worse when the... the, the, um when the crosses misfire, there was a there was a period there. Uh, I think in the in the in I think it was in the in the first half where Nick Olsen had two crosses, which normally we think is automatic. You know, they'll find find the box if it was Corey Brown. Where for one, the first one, I think he, you know, over over hit it to the point where you know it's an easy catch for Andrew Redmayne. The second one, I think it just it went over the byline, and you're just thinking, well, that and that's normally the Raw's A play as far as their service to their attackers. Um, and that, that that was pretty much endemic of that. And that's look, that's, that's not really a, a shot at Nick Olsen. Obviously, he he's not has got nowhere near the experience, you know, and skill of a Corey Brown. But it just shows again that it seems as though that the the, the attacking options and creativity are very very limited for the raw this raw side at the moment because. Um, yeah, it, do, it doesn't seem to be... It's just a lack of creativity. It's symptomatic throughout the whole side, James. You mentioned Lascano. He had one of those as well. He passes us straight at the back post in the first half. He could have picked him out. It wasn't the greatest of cross-in, but it's across the... It's not, not one player or two, but it's across the ball. There would have been about 20 to 25 crosses or set pieces into the box in that game that the Raw had, and I can only really think of, what, one or two that resulted in anything, and, and it was right at the end with the corner in from O'Shea. That's... That's not a great percentage of crosses in delivering anything. And I include set pieces, free kicks and corners in that as well. It's not. It's something I think they've got to get... If It's a key part of their attack to Adam's point. I think they've got to get more productive or more more quality into the area to get to, for players to be able to get on the end of it because too many of them were pretty comfortable for red main and goal, weren't they? Yeah, it did look like the conditions were, you know, really wreaking havoc uh, on the... Brawl when they were trying to go to what was their A play as well. And 
to me, the crosses from Olsen above all else look like, yes, they were weather impacted as well because there was a pitch that was uh, rating as a heavy 10 at certain points uh, during the match. But it did also look like it was a you know a group of players that had really been struggling to get a whole lot of football in in the last month. And there was a very evident layer of rust. But I do quite like uh, what I've seen overall from Olsen. And truth be told, like, and I'll say what I said in the group chat as well, I still think there is a starting 11 spot for Nick Olsen if he can sharpen up uh, some of those finer points of his game because he does seem to have that attacking spark um, that you know you don't always seem to see uh, with the Raw so far in this current A-League men's season. But that's just me anyway. Adam? Yeah, look, uh, look at the end of the day, in summary, I think the Raw looked like a side that hadn't played for a month. Yeah, add in very, very tough conditions. Um, yeah, and like I said, it's... it's to, be, to be honest, until you actually go down 1-0, it might be actually a bit flattering, but obviously, in a cup tie, you only need to... You, know, you don't need to win the game. You don't need to worry about, you know, goal difference or anything like that, and, you know, and you know putting side to sword or not. So, look, Sydney Sydney won, especially when uh, they went down 10 men with about about five, six minutes to go. Obviously, uh, that would have also changed the game as far as Sydney trying to find a second to put the tie beyond doubt. But, um, but yeah, look, at the end of the day, I think of Raw, I think you'd say the past... I'm not going to say... I guess the incomplete mark would be the fact is they look like a side that hadn't played for 31 days and also as well tough conditions. So I think this performance, you could almost say, well, you know, other than, you know, the lack of goal scoring, you say, well, you know what, whatever they do on Saturday, it'll be, it'll be better than what they did tonight. Just one correction. You hope. Just one correction, Adam. 32 days, not 31, because it was the 11th of uh, December to the 12th of January. Anyway. Nitpicking aside, it makes a big difference that extra day. But it's not only that they, look, they were, they did look like a side whose who were whose preparation was challenging to say the absolute least. But they also look like a side lacking confidence in that front third. James, it's now been I think four games in about twenty minutes of football since the Raw has scored a goal in a competitive game. Or the men's side anyway. So it does seem like in the front there's a, there's a, there's a lack of confidence, doesn't there? So I think the longer this the longer this goes without a goal. I think the more frustrating it's going to get for the players on the field. And even with the man events at the end, they didn't really create too much other than with the the set piece, did they? So you'd, you'd they just need that goal badly, don't they? Yeah. And similar to what we've seen in the past, where that is just, you know, it, it, it's a confidence issue as much as anything now, where it seems like, actually, compared to how they were before their enforced hiatus... There were actually moments where I thought they looked really cohesive building up, but then just when it came into making something happen in that final third, they just couldn't break through the Sydney defence. But in terms of the Raw's goal drought, Scott, you've got some numbers on that, haven't you? Yes, it's been four games and 20 minutes since the Raw have last got a goal. That was the Luka Vanovic goal against Melbourne City it in was. round one. So that's it's the longest run that I can find for the Raw A-League men's side without a goal. And yeah. you think back, there has been a couple of barren runs for the Raw over the 15-year history, but this is the longest run that I, I can find where the Raw have not scored a goal. Yeah, and since that uh, goal by Luka Vanovic down at Amy Park, 3-0 lost uh, away to Melbourne victory, 0-0 draw at home to Adelaide United, 1-0 loss 
against Western United and tonight 1-0 against Sydney FC and we will do our match preview at the end as we always do but where the hell is the goal going to come from? Like, Lascano does seem like the most obvious option but he's only going to be as good as the service you can give him and there were times where I saw him tracking back to his own 18-yard box maybe, you know, because that's what the defensive structure called for him to do but surely you want him leading the line and trying to bring in what should be some pretty solid uh, attacking uh, wingers on the break. You do need one player up front, James, as an outlet ball. You always need somebody up around that halfway line, even when you're defending, to be that outlet ball. And I do agree with you. That was that was something that was... He was dropping quite deep to do a defensive job, but when he was doing that, there wasn't anybody up in the front, in that middle third near the halfway line for the Raw to provide that outlet ball to be able to try and either hold the ball up or challenge for possession. It was just a an easy an easy possession recycle for Sydney. So that was... I think that's something else they might need to look at. Having somebody who... I think Lascano, they should keep him up in that front third in defence. I don't think... Look, the structure of the team defensively is pretty good, James. I think you can afford to have somebody up front as the outlet ball. For sure. And just on um, a point you brought up earlier, Alex Parsons, I don't think he uh, has done anything to justify getting benched for Saturday as well, unless it is just purely going to be a load management issue. But surely, you know, you give someone like him or Eli Adams a chance to really operate on that uh, wide structure. Now, before we uh, move on to anything else, or possibly just wallow in our sorrows for another five minutes or so, trivia time. When was the Raw's last win over Sydney FC? Put your hand up if you've got the answer. Without looking it up, Scott. Adam? No, no. It was uh, August 2019, 2-0, over Sydney FC in the round of 32 FFA Cup. It was. And where were we that night? Where were we that night? <laughs> we a cu- was it we were... Red- Redcliffe, right? Oh, uh, Parc de Paris. Yeah. Oh, that place. Olymp- That's right. We were at Parc de Paris for, I want to say, Olympic Adelaide United. Ah, uh, yes. Which was, in and of itself, actually a remarkable game. Um that, yeah, Costa Pissarros, Chris Lucas, and, no, that was on the, that was on the 21st. It would have been that win over Bayswater or whatever it was, that West Australian team, wouldn't it? It, West, or was it, yeah, I don't know. know, That was a long, either way, that was a very, very long time ago that the Raw last beat Sydney. That would be about, what, six or seven games now, wouldn't it? uh, It's now seven. Seven games after tonight. They get a chance on Sunday to, on Saturday to try and it becoming eight. No, it was Brisbane Wellington. No, Brisbane Strikers Wellington. Okay. There we go. Huh. Red Park Dupree. Yeah, that David was the important... Paul's penalty that night is still yet to land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, look, sometimes you can't judge players by first impressions like I did with David Ball that night because I thought he was utterly useless but actually turned out to be quite a solid striker for Wellington in his time with them. So, yeah, first impressions aren't always right. Anyway, so for the Raw, they now have to, well, the Raw men, they have to turn their attention uh, to the weekend, just like the Raw women, who are also coming off a frustrating 1-0 defeat, as it was on Sunday up at uh, Redcliffe against the Western Sydney Wanderers, and it was a penalty that decided the match, Adam. It was, um, yeah, an unfortunate uh, 
bit of play uh, where um, Mario Hecker was the one who uh, who conceded the penalty. Uh, and yeah, look, uh, that, that I think it, I think that game uh, is a polar opposite of. Um, of the men's game tonight because that was a case of where I think the Raw probably would have been very disappointed that they had opportunity after opportunity and just could not put uh, Western Sydney away. They hung around and hung around, uh, took their chance and they held, they held on for a win. So their, their first win of the season, I think a game that was probably winnable for, um, for the Raw women. Yeah, it was quite frustrating and it was just, you know, Mariel Hecker being as we know she can be, uh, very, very enthusiastic in a challenge, Scott. She was. It was a quintessential striker's challenge, and I don't think there's much doubt that it was, but I know Mario Hecker was protesting it quite vociferously, but I do think it was a um, it was a penalty, James. And I, I think, Adam's like, there were a lot of chances um, created in that game by the Raw, and they, they probably should have got at least a point out of it, but... This is just the way the season's gone for the Raw, is it? We were hoping that that after the win away to victory the weekend prior, they would come out with renewed confidence and put a number against Western Sydney, a team who had not won a game to that point in the A-League women's season and had scored one goal so far for the season. They now have two, so they've doubled their tally. But we thought that this would be a good chance for the Raw to really build upon it and upon the momentum and push it forward for this season. But it's just started again, hasn't it? And... They did create plenty of chances, but they just weren't able to take them. Yeah, and it was arguably, you know, the strongest available 11 uh, all over. And, um, yeah, I just... It, it would just looked frustrating as well because every time they went close, they just couldn't quite finish the job. Adam? Yeah. Um, look, I've got, I got to say as well, um, Sarah Langman... Uh, or as may know as Sarah Wilsey, uh, as a maiden name, um, who's ha- who has a habit of seeming to put put her best games when facing the Raw. But yeah, look, she, she was outstanding again. You know, really, really command the box um, as far as not exactly as as far as you know big classic saves, but. A lot, a lot of the Raw's plays, you know, a lot of the through balls that Aisha Nori or, uh, or Katrina Gore put through, and she would read them and, you know, and obviously be out, you know, come off her line to sort of snuff it out. I think it was, very, it was a very, very um, good effort uh, for, from her to really sort of, you know, I guess frustrate the Raw, because that, that seemed to be their way that they were going to, to try and um, beat beat Western Sydney was to try and get him behind them. But, um, yeah, Sarah Langman, she, she did an ex- excellent job, you know, of, of cutting off a lot of those chances. She oh, she looked very well prepared uh, from the get-go in that game. You know, like she knew uh, possibly, that, like, what was coming. And, yeah, I, I think probably for me, she would have been the star of the match. Absolutely not for the first time either. Yeah, it was... Frustrating, but there is not a whole lot you can do for the Raw. Uh, but there were still a few bright spots as well. Georgie Worth uh, was restored to the starting lineup. Did we get an answer on uh, why that was the case, or was it just a uh, unavail or an availability issue for Mia Bailey? Pretty sure it was an unavailability issue because Mia Bailey was not at the ground on Saturday, and Bella Shuttleworth was the reserve goalkeeper. So I imagine that uh, we did speak to Kelly Crew after the game, and she said it's been. Very, very challenging to try and get the squad together consistently given the nature of what's been going on. So I imagine it would have been related to that. Yeah, I did actually see something um, 
during the week talking about some of the revised training protocols that a lot of the teams have in place where now the players are expected to shop ready to train uh they're not allowed to use change rooms this is men's and women's um by the sounds of it and yeah basically they're you know going back to the way it was i think when they were getting ready for the restart in june july 2020 uh, just hopefully without people uh, stalking them at training like the men's team had out at L- the Logan base. But um, overall, it was... Um, yeah, it seems like they're trying their best to mitigate the spread because, you know, and touch wood, the, it sounds like the women's team has, by and large, avoided the um, spread compared to what we've seen with the men. Yeah, um, I think almost uh, league-wide, although I did read today that... Um I think Perth, the Perth Glory women, I think of uh, there's a bit of an outbreak there. Um, so stay tuned about whether their game goes ahead, which is the last thing they they needed. Uh, but yeah, look, it, it seems strange that yeah, up here in Brisbane that the uh, the women's team has been pretty much been spared, you know, the misery that the the men have had to endure. But um, yeah, by sounds of it as well, it, it has come at a cost. And you know, as far as a lot of the, the usual training procedures. And and whatnot as far as their their base as well they the women do do uh, train over at Cusack as opposed to the men who train on the Gold Coast so that, that might be another factor as well why they've been spared but by the sounds of they haven't enlarged escaped you know obviously yeah Mia Bailey wasn't at the at the ground um uh, and and yeah so I but I think she she probably yeah. Uh, it would be have to be an unavailability issue because yeah she she was uh, excellent against the um against the victory last week so but I think by and large I think it's difficult times for both sides but I think the women certainly haven't been spared um, the inconvenience of us all no and while it might not be the same as having to isolate for a week it's still not what you want in a team sport where you know players might have to train remotely or you know do their own fitness work when you know for the women this is still what six weeks into the season I think it is this is where they should all have been, you know, coming together and finding some cohesion. But if they haven't been training uh, as together as frequently as they would have been beforehand, there's only so much you can do with those combinations. And I think back, you look at the uh, players that were together in club in uh, NPL Clubland. Even the likes of you know Jesse Rashett and Ish um, Nari, who were together at Gold Coast United, even they would have you know lost a little bit of cohesion when we had that shutdown back in August and that was only for three weeks as well so yeah it's it is going to be frustrating and it is going to be you know probably arguably the biggest test of the um of the entire season going forward now for the managers of both the men's and women's team is trying to get these players back on the same page as they go forward because right now for both sides more so for the women it really is getting to put up or shut up time in terms of getting the results. It is, and particularly on the elephant you're making, it's for the next couple of weeks as well. I mean, we're not going to be too news-related here, but it's meant to peak in the next couple of weeks, James, so you'd have to say for the next month or so, managing this is going to have to be a priority for the whole competition. So, But to your point, yeah, this is a time where you would have thought six weeks into a 14-week season, give or take, or 14-game season, you would expect that this is the time where the team would really start to gel and start playing their best football. And the lack of training time in the last week, it certainly wouldn't be helping, that's for sure. So you'd have to say it's a, it's another little bit of a bit of a hassle for a team which has got off to a slow start in terms of points. It's like, it's like playing pretty well. 
So it just makes a bit life a bit more challenging. Hopefully they can they can find that hopefully they can find that form and confidence this weekend against Wellington down there in Sydney. And to me, the co- lack of cohesion was most evident with the fact that you know we joked about it last week. Two goals against a victory, three goals down in Canberra, and then four goals against a victory. That attack was starting to look very lethal, and then all of a sudden it just dropped off. And I know it was not. It would not have been pleasant running around in the sun out on the Bayside on uh, Sunday. But even so, I still feel like, you know, it was more a case of just, yeah, execution rather than anything else. Uh, the conditions actually weren't actually that bad um, on uh, on Sunday out at... Um out Redcliffe. Uh, it's certainly compared to the game previously against uh, Melbourne Victory that was there. It was uh, the conditions were were sort of a, were a lot more pleasant. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a uh, yeah. I, I will say that you know it is a league wide issue that you know it's not only the raw that's sort of struggling as far as you know cohesion and you know training's been affected. It's a it is a league wide thing. So I think that the owner still does belong on the raw to you know, overcome it because they're no better. Away worse than, um, than probably the majority of the other clubs as well, especially, like I so as I bring up, you know, Perth Glory, who've just had an absolute shocking time as far as, you know, not only contending with, you know, now apparently a, you know, COVID outbreak amongst the playing group, but also as well being, you know, being away from home uh, because of the border closures. So, so yeah, but uh, yeah, so we can't completely excuse the raw for that. But um, but yeah, look, I think it's just it's just tough times, and I think yeah, they just gotta yeah you know, get back to training, get back to doing what they can, and 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 come out firing against you know which I perceive as you know this is a, a good opportunity against you know a I guess a weaker and, a, and more inexperienced Wellington Phoenix side to sort of really sort of you know make a statement about where they're headed for the rest of the season. That's not the terms you were using to speak about them on Sunday afternoon. You were absolutely adamant this game on the weekend is going to be an absolute cakewalk. <laughs> uh, I plead guilty. And I would also... I still believe that, but I'll be, I'll be diplomatic for the show. I would also like to point out, uh, though, we, you know, because of the border situation, Wellington basing themselves out of Wollongong, we would have missed the opportunity for a headline uh, from possibly from the Raw's... Uh, content team when they do the match recap cake walk at the cake tin maybe if the men, <laughs> maybe if the men head back there um, and record a convincing win at some stage later in the year that might be you something you add one word up. to that headline James is at the temporary cake tin oh yeah that could work anyway well let's do the match the ugliest looking cake tin I've seen <laughs> well anyway let's take a uh, quick run through the Raw's uh, women's match this coming weekend, and they are taking on a Wellington Phoenix side that has dropped their last five matches. And, uh, yeah, there's not really much you can say other than they're doing their best in a pretty tough situation, but really, the results speak for themselves uh, since that 0-0 draw with the Western Sydney Wanderers. 5-1 loss to uh, Newcastle, 3-0 loss to Sydney FC, only 1-0 loss against Newcastle on the 27th of December, then a 5-0 loss to Sydney FC, and then most recently, a 4-0 defeat at the hands of uh, Melbourne City. So, yeah, if the Raw is looking for a confidence-boosting get-right game, this is basically like the equivalent of playing the Jacksonville Jag... Oh, sorry, Adam. 
Oh, <laughs> you'd bring that up. And, that's, and I think that's actually the thought, the, that's the thought process of why I've had to choose my words, because I think I, I actually, admittedly, I think I did actually compare uh, Wellington women's team to said Jacksonville Jaguars before my Colts absolutely bottled it on uh, on Monday morning. So I have to choose my words carefully. But look, in all seriousness, I believe the Raw, if there, if there are any show. Any show of you know, even you know being competitive as far as you know make having a shot at the finals, they've got to put their best foot forward and they've got to win the game comfortably. Um, look, it's no that's no offence to you know the, the players down there at, at Fort Wellington. I just think obviously inexperienced and um, unfortunately there's always a team out there to beat on a weekly basis and they're it. And I think if the Raw want to have any desires to be playing finals football, even challenging for it. Uh, they've, they've, they've got to win and win comfortably. Well, just on that uh, as well, all joking aside, you've got to look at the like where the Raw are at the moment. They're one of three teams that have played six fixtures, uh, and they're five points behind fourth-placed Adelaide at the moment. So that basically says... And Adelaide have a game in hand, uh, as do Melbourne victory. Now, look, with the injuries and uh, depleted squads... Uh, that could be coming up because of the Women's Asian Cup, which we will discuss in a bit more detail next week. You might see the victory start to, you know, fall behind, and then you've just got to find a way to leapfrog the Wanderers, Perth, New and Newcastle as well. It's not out of the question, but boy, that margin is getting more and more slim each day. However, you also look at the goals that the Raw women have scored, and this weekend notwithstanding, uh, that's 10 goals overall, and Compared to a lot of the other teams around them, Newcastle have eight, Perth have five, Wanderers have two, and uh, Canberra have five. So if they need to score goals, they are absolutely uh, more than capable of doing that, and that's going to be their way to victory. Now, question is, will they? Scott? Well, obviously, you mentioned Wanderers, Perth, and Newcastle. That's three teams that have been between Raw and the top four. And results against those teams aside, James... I do think that the Roar are better than all three of those sides. So this is a game that they have to win. You're going to ask me, are they going to win the game? I think, look, if they turn up and play to their potential, they will win the game and win it pretty comfortably. If it's like the game on Sunday, I can see it becoming a bit of a dogfight. And if it does become that way, a team like Wellington, who haven't had the best of records so far this year, might start to sense a bit of an opportunity to potentially pick up a scalp or pick up a result. So if... If the Raw go out there and play their, their their game to the best that they can, they'll win the game by two or three goals. If, if it's a dogfight of a game, it could be much tighter than that. But I think they will get over the line. I think Adam has it at 6-0, by the way. <laughs> no, they, they really shouldn't. Look, again, you know, not trying to undersell this Wellington side, but this is a club that is in uh, the competition this year mostly as a learning experience because they're... By the sounds of things, mostly, uh, you know, teenagers, young players, basically just getting senior experience. And, again, this is the sort of side that the Raw should be beating. I mean, you look at what the Lions players like Hecker, Connors, um, Clough, etc. did to the overmatched teams in the NPL this season, where they were putting, you know, 10, 12, 14 goals up in a game. I'm not going to expect that many, but... You know, something in the area of three or four would be at least what I'm expecting in terms of marginal margin of victory here, if they are going to be serious contenders. Because if 
you know, even if they have to just fall over the line to a 1-0 win, that's going to be as big of a concern as a loss for me because they should be the significantly better side. And that's just where I land on it. Adam? I will, I will say one thing positive about... Um about Wellington and that I think their their hopes live and live and die as far as this game goes on the margin. I think it depends on how Lily Alfield plays in goal. She she is the captain. She's the heart and soul of that team. Um, she has, if she has a good game or the raw are very very wasteful and you know can't find a way past her or you know basically squander a lot of their opportunities. Um, look to Scott's point, they're right. He's, he's right. You know that's where it come becomes the more. Um, frustration there is for the Raw today. Why can't they score? It, it lends itself open to the sucker punch. So, um, look, if they can get on the board, get on the board early, and, and really put pressure on defence, uh, then, then I think that, that's probably the plan. But the longer that game goes, where Wellington's still in it, um, yeah, it, it could be trouble. So while while I'm confident they will win and win easy. Um, there is always that, that bit of doubt that, you know, if the Raw do blow their chances like they have um, in the last couple of weeks, at least in three games this season, geez, it could be trouble. Yep, for sure. All right. Uh, brief bit of NPL news has come out today. Uh, well, FQPL news. Um, Scott, what's happened? Yes, yeah, so a goalkeeper has returned to FQPL, Jared Tyson, who was with Melbourne Victory Recently, I think he's formerly Gold Coast, United, a week ago. Western Sydney Wanderers, and a few other clubs in between. He's gone back to the Sunshine Coast with the fire, and that's a, it's a great pickup, isn't it? I mean, it's, a, it's it was already going to be a very strong FQPL one season, and this this gives Sunshine Coast I mean that they can cling on to and say, well, we've got a top quality player as well. They need a bit more than just a goalkeeper, but he's a a really good addition, isn't he? Yeah, he absolutely is, and he could. You know, still potentially be in for a lot of work looking at some of the attacks he's going to be facing this season in the FQPL competition. But I think as we've seen in the uh, FFA Cup for Melbourne victory, he can produce some uh, pretty stunning saves as well. Yeah, look, Jared uh, yeah, Tyson's still at the uh, peak of his powers. Um, so, yeah, going, going back to Sunshine Coast... Um, Fire. He is a Ruchidor Swans Jr., I do believe, uh, in 2006, 2009, I did read. So he is, no, he is sort of known in the area. Um, but yeah, look, a player of his, his ability, um, he'll certainly lift the profile of um, what is actually shaping up to be you know, a really intriguing FQPL 1 season coming up. And look, I actually, I actually think, you know, I can't wait to, to see it along, along with the MPL. It is going to be a fascinating season when it kicks off in a little while as well. Uh, I'm just looking up the exact date now. The weekend of the 25th of February. Next as month, it stands. not too far away. Yeah, I know. I'm trying not to think of how close uh, late February <laughs> and probably on a slightly more personal note, mid-March is getting because uh, <laughs> that might cause some... <laughs> TikTok, TikTok. Yeah. Anyway. Enjoy the silence while you've got it. That's why I've got noise-cancelling headphones, Scott. They drown out the uh, crying. Just maybe not the excellent... Part of the year material right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm going for. Anyway, A-League men are in action against Sydney FC again. That is not a typo. Saturday, 6.45pm Queensland time. And that will be, I believe, the uh, Channel 10 feature match, if my TV guide is to be believed, which it's lied to me in the past uh, when it comes to other sporting events. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, no, that sounds right. Sydney FC haven't been on primetime free-to-air TV for a couple of weeks. That sounds about right. 
Okay, good. We'll go with that then. So, and it's also only one of three matches on this week. So we've lost three games again this week. We, we are at the at the same argument we have spoken about every week for the last couple of weeks is that, uh, yep, like I said, with not full ground being played, it's almost what's the point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, either way, it is going to be going ahead as it stands. And the first question I've got, uh, Scott, what changes would you make? It's an excellent question because we don't know who's going to be made available due to the um, the, the whole restrictions, all the rest of it. We know that I don't think Anton Milnarich can come back. I think that's still going to be a case where he's going to be be unavailable. I don't know if Jez Lofthouse or Henry Hoare are going to be available after. I think would being they not cup tied today, so I, I think they might have been cup tied for today. So they might be available, but it's hard to know because really, we don't know who was in protocol and when they cleared it or who hasn't cleared and all the rest of it. So at the moment, it's very very difficult to say who's going to be available, other than the players who played tonight against Sydney, minus Luis Abala, who may be unavailable. We'll have to wait and see. They should all be ready to go again, but who else is going to be available? Really couldn't tell you. I would love to know how many minutes these players have in their legs, so because when you consider it, they were, again, as we've said many a time, first match in 32 days, and they w- were put through a pretty heavy uh, slog on a wet old evening uh, in Sydney. So some of these guys might not have 90 minutes in their legs. I feel like the main change, and, you know, if he's healthy, if he's not healthy, uh, I'd be throwing Jack Hingett back into the starting lineup if he's available, because... Again, nothing against Louis Zabala. I thought he was quite strong tonight, but I want a right-back playing right-back, and Jack Hingett is a right-back. Yeah, I think it's going to be the question uh, about who is available for for Raw. But for uh, Sydney FC, considering you saw what they had on their bench, um, they can obviously have a lot of scope for changes. You know, it's pretty handy having the likes of Babo and Milos Ninkovic uh, coming off coming off the bench. And I think certainly they they may um, obviously start on Saturday. The only thing I do know is that James Donerkey will not be playing <laughs> uh, because uh, he... Yeah, because he uh, obviously was shown a a, uh, a second yellow card um, tonight, so that that may make an issue as far as who's going to be playing, who's going to be in um, in defence for for Sydney. But uh, yeah, it's actually quite scary about sort of what changes Sydney can make because they can make a few. Whereas I'm not sure the Raw have got many um, many options because we just simply don't know. Um, as far as, yeah, as you said, the uh, COVID protocols and who's available and who's not. It could be four or five changes, James. If people are clear protocols, it could be one with Hingert coming in. But I would actually love to see Luis Abala, if he is fit to play again, if he does get a second appearance, I hope it's in midfield. I really would like to see him play where we saw him play so well in the NPL because we know what a good midfielder player he is. And he did a good job at right back tonight in the Cup, but... Going forward, he is a midfielder, and I would love to see him play in the middle of that midfield if he's going to get further opportunities. So I think I think, you could, I think he could have to do a really good job in there because you know what a good passing range he's got. And just in terms of personnel just making a change, arguably for the sake of making a change, uh, why not give Eli Adams a start uh, and bring uh, Alex Parsons off the bench? So just basically, yeah, try and uh, use those two in sort of a tandem role and then hopefully uh, someone like Luka Ivanovic can come back as well and uh, spell Nikola Milayuznic. 
I also think uh, maybe Cyrus Demi might be worth um, worth a go starting and uh, bring one Scano uh, off off the bench just just to mix up as well. Uh, look, I think at this stage, you know, I don't think there's any game plan as far as you know what what's the start. I think you you got to leave every option on the table. What I do know is that apparently the Raw will come back to Brisbane before going back down. Uh, I, I believe there was talk that uh, they were going to stay during, you know, over the next couple of days, but apparently that would have brought on all sets of you know, protocols as far as testing and that goes. So I think it was easier to, to come home and then go back down uh, later in the week for Saturday, well, yes. which has got to be disruptive. Yeah, Simon Hill said on the uh, call tonight where um, apparently the Raw flew down to Sydney on Tuesday Played the game Wednesday. It was a five o'clock kickoff to allow them to get back to the airport and on the last flight back to Brisbane um, tonight, which will then give them, I suppose, Thursday, Friday, uh, t- train travel down Friday and then go again on Saturday. You so, better do the same thing again, won't they? Travel down Friday afternoon, play Saturday, come back probably Sunday morning. You would think so, but I suppose also the six forty-five kickoff may mean that they've got to stay down there Saturday night anyway. But yeah. that's a, that's well seven forty-five local. Yeah, so that's a you know a procedural question for their uh, team ops. That and might be a same day travel then. If they can only stay in Sydney one night, that might be same day travel anyway. Venturing into those COVID weeds again. Yeah, exactly, and it is going to give me a headache, which I really don't feel like dealing with right now. So, what do you say? We say that's it going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Uh, say for one final question, Scott and Adam, will we be talking about the Raw scoring a goal uh, in the men's competition on the weekend? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Scott? Yeah, I think they'll score a goal, but I think they'll still be looking for a win. Yeah, that wasn't the question. So we'll try and end this on a positive note, damn it. Yes, they will score a goal. <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, yeah, so that is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you're joining us on Clutch Radio, and uh, if you are, still feel free to download the podcast on any of our platforms. And uh, in the meantime, enjoy the football this weekend, whatever is still going ahead, be it A-League or A-League men's, A-League women's, or anything else going on around the world, Scott. Enjoy the season finale, James. Yeah, yeah. I. <laughs> the truth is never mean, and, well... That's going to be the truth. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back to recap all of the footballing action next week here on the Brisbane Football Review. We'll talk to you then.